Good morning, everyone. This is going to be a little different kind of message. You know, I'm used to uh, talking about Jesus in the Bible, and we're going to talk about Jesus in the Bible, but we're going to come at it a little different way, and it's going to be a lot about just what God's doing in my heart and life. So let me pray. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would fill my heart, would um, use my words, and fill this place in a way that graces us and strengthens us and encourages us to be your people at this time that are beautiful in every way in your sight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So it's four o'clock in the morning. The strategic leadership team, we gathered in our parking lot. And I was wondering, why am I doing this? Just gotten back from Africa, and we're heading up to the Twin Cities to take in one of the satellite venues of the Global Leadership Summit. We're excited to go learn a bunch of things on the way up. We had lots of catching up to do. I'd been gone for two weeks and lots of things to cover. And man, that trip from four to eight, it went fast. And before we knew it, we were in our seats, and Bill Hybels, the convener of the summit, was off into his message on crucial leadership lessons. And I was all ears, taking notes. And then all of a sudden, like there's a new set of notes that I'm supposed to take, and it didn't come out of Bill Heibel's mouth. And it was just this sense. I didn't hear anything, didn't see anything, but this sense of God saying something profound to me, which was this. Mark, I need you to deepen your love and commitment for the people of Door Creek. I went, hmm, I wasn't expecting to learn that leadership lesson today. We went through some other messages. They were awesome. They were inspiring. And by the time we're eating tacos on Hennepin Avenue at the end of the night, I said to the guys, it was a couple of times during this day that I felt God impressing on my heart, asking me to deepen my love and commitment to the people of Door Creek. And so I said, that's for all of us. We, we need to do that. And when I heard those words the very first time, that is in my heart of hearts, I knew what God was getting after. And it was this place in my heart that I'd kind of protected from you because of some things that had happened in the past. So let me kind of catch you up so you get what I'm talking about. So two years ago, after a lot of study and prayer and planning, a lot of reflection, The leadership board of our church, the stewards, they approved an aggressive set of vision initiatives that we would later call All In. The stakes were high, but the cause was great to see more people become devoted followers of Christ. And I remember after the unanimous approval, there was a sense of, whew, that took a long time to get there, that um, I felt I needed to say something. It wasn't rehearsed. It wasn't planned. I didn't have it written down, but it was this hey, guys, this is serious stuff that we're committing to pursue. This is stuff at the heart of God. This is at the heart of God's mission in this world. And God's mission's always been opposed, and we should expect a fight. I don't know what the fight would look like. Would it be in City Hall for approval? Would it be in, with the bankers and financing? Would it be somehow in construction? I didn't know, but I felt like I needed to say that. Well, I soon discovered 
the fight would be focused at the core of our leadership here at the church, beginning with me. In the beginning, early on, actually I wondered if the Sprecher edition part of All In was even going to happen, was ever going to happen. At its peak, I didn't know if I was going to make it. The attacks were personal, hurtful, humbling. My character and leadership came into question, and I was reeling. To be sure, God uses every hard thing in our life for good. There was good going on. I was on the steepest growth curve as a leader that I've ever been on in 30 plus years of ministry. But the fiery trial was just crushing my spirit. It grieved me that we had little time to talk about our mission as we were working things out. Now, if you don't know this about me, I'm an upbeat person. They used to call me the happy, lucky go kid, positive view of life. The glass is always half full for me, always. But that changed. I was discouraged, fighting depression, and for the first time in my life, was tempted to entertain the thought of ending my life. I quickly refused the invitation to go there. Nonetheless, I experienced the suffocating feeling of an anxiety attack. I always wondered what people were talking about. Now I get it. I was worn out, spent, physically, spiritually, emotionally. I was in survival mode and I felt like I was going down. And honestly, if it weren't for the fact that we were now in the middle of all in, that I'd gotten in front of 0100 and pitched what I said to the boys, are you all in? If you hadn't have had this overwhelming flow of generosity to say, yes, we're all in, I was prepared and ready to say, I've changed my mind. I'm all out can't do this. There's a lot of prayer. Some of you may have sensed, some of you may not have sensed, but God was leading you to pray. There are a lot of, a lot of prayers for me, for us. A lot of loving support for my wise and strong and beautiful bride, Lori. A lot of support from family, close friends, colleagues, And by God's grace, over time, through hard work, hard conversations, wise counsel, and an unflinching commitment as leaders to grow and be the kind of leaders that Christ wants us to be, we began to see light, just little shafts of light, but nonetheless, shafts of grace that pierced the darkness of my soul and began to fill me with renewed hope. To be sure, sometimes it felt like we were through it and this was all behind and then we were back in the mire. You ever been there? Two steps forward and like 18 back. And so God put First John on my heart. This great book that calls us to love one another. I thought that's exactly what you needed to hear. Did you hear what I just said? I was just checking. So June comes, 
And with June, my summer break, a great time to just refresh with family, a time of study and reading and preparation for the ministry year ahead. Back in the saddle in July, it was fast and furious. It felt like there was only 14 days instead of 31. Off to Africa at the end of the month, come back, grand opening before us, lots of exciting things, the prospect of hundreds of people coming through this place and having an opportunity to introduce him to Christ. And seemingly, the pain of the past was erased. What I didn't realize is those hurt feelings had banded together and erected a wall protecting parts of my heart. And I was keeping this place and you at arm's distance. And that's what God was asking me to do. to deepen my love and commitment, to put my hands down. There's this awesome verse in Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, be still and know that I'm God. That word be still literally means put your hands down. Put your hands down. And so that's what God is doing in my life is working on that gap and moving me towards a deeper love and commitment. I haven't figured all that that means, but I'm on that journey. So let me say something to those of you who are driven type A's and the rest whom we drive crazy. (laughs) I'm the proud son of hardworking immigrants My parents came over in the early 50s from Switzerland with nothing. They worked hard. They loved work. That's what I've always known about work. It's a great thing. The two greatest things my parents have taught me, to love Jesus and to work hard. And so that's how I've always pursued life, work, sports, anything, with everything that I have. And so I've been passionate, laser-focused on our vision and mission to see more people become devoted followers of Christ, to reach people who don't yet know Christ, to grow people who do, to be a church for all people, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, to be a church that's moving towards the vulnerable, doing justice, loving mercy. But here are two truths that we all need to remember that I needed to remember. The first is this. God's mission is accomplished through God's people. Okay? It's accomplished through God's people. Now listen how God does it. God raises up leaders to serve God's people and together, empowered by the Spirit, following the Word of God, we accomplish the will of God. But nonetheless, it's accomplished through people, God's people, us, the church. The danger for people is to forget that God raises up leaders and decide, I think I'd rather lead myself. Remember the Israelites? Let's go back to Egypt. The danger for leaders is that we love the mission more than the people and fall into the temptation of using people instead of serving them. For all of us, 
The danger is to think that the end somehow justifies the means, that my goal is noble and high and worthy, and so no matter how I am pursuing that goal, it's all good. And the scripture repeatedly warns us, that's bogus. It's how we do it, not just where we get to. And so Paul's making that point in 1 Corinthians 13 in the opening verses where he lists all these beautiful gifts from tongues and prophecy and knowledge and faith and giving and maybe even martyrdom. And he says, look, if we exercise that without love, it's this, it's for naught. So back to the summit. We arrive home. We're getting ready for celebration weekend. On Wednesday, there's an important meeting with the team leads. And I ask him this question. What are the opportunities that we have before us to get better? What are the challenges that we're facing? And I gave him some time to think about it, write it out. It was interesting. A few of us came up with this, man, we need to experience deeper community. It's what I talked about a couple weeks ago, if you were here. We have this friendliness that's associated with the front door. It's for a short time. It's usually not that substantive, but it is genuinely friendly. Really different from the kinds of conversations that can happen around the kitchen table or back in the family room. We talked about how we long for that for ourselves and how we long for that for our church, for you to have healthy friendships, people who celebrate with the things that are wonderful in your life and people who will be at your side bearing the burdens of the things that are hard in your life. But I wasn't connecting the dots to what God was saying to me at the summit, Mark, deepen your love and commitment for the people of Door Creek with this huge opportunity. Not at all. Until following Celebration Sunday, I had a chance to hang out with a good friend of mine, a mentor. Stan and I spent three days together talking about leadership and ministry. And on day two, he asked me this important question. He says, Mark, I just want to ask you, recently, do you have any sense of God saying anything into your life for you, for the church? The first thing I wanted to say is, Stan, God says things to me every day in the Bible. As I read it in its context, I hear God's voice all the time. So I was going to pull the Bible card, Bible guy card. But I didn't say that. What I said is, wow, that's really interesting. Actually, just last week at the summit, Stan had been at the summit at Willow. We were up in Twin Cities. And I told him how God had asked me to deepen my love and commitment for you. And then boom, 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 things just started clicking. The dots started connecting. It's like, oh, this isn't just about me and the challenge for leaders, which I've been kind of pressing in on. We need to do this. If we do this, it's going to mirror, it's going to trickle. It's like, this is for all of us not just leaders in this church. Then all of a sudden, the challenge, opportunity, front door, I go, oh, 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 this is how you move from front door to the kitchen table. We commit ourselves to deep love, doing life together. And then it was like, and it's not just that, this is how our mission of seeing more and more people become devoted followers of Christ. That's how it's accelerated. It's how it's always been from the beginning. It's always been driven by God's love and called for from his people. So I began to think about that 
stinging rebuke to the church in Ephesus. So at the beginning of this wild book about the end of the age before Christ returns, there's these letters to churches in the last book of the Bible called Revelation. And one of the letters is to a church in Ephesus. In fact, we've got a whole letter, Ephesians, that Paul wrote to this same church. And here's what the Lord is saying through this letter as John writes it. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance, then a little while down, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, I know that verse, read it a long time in my life, and I've always thought what it was saying here is you've forsaken your first love. In fact, that's how it was usually translated. They've forsaken their love for Christ. Actually, it doesn't say that in the original. The NIV is a good translation. You've forsaken the love you had at first, which could include your love for Christ and your love for each other. In fact, Jesus says you can't ever separate those two things. You can't say that you love me and don't love your brothers and sisters. You can't say you love me and you don't love your neighbor, including your enemy. And so all these great things that were said of the church of Ephesus could be said of me, could be said of us. Hard work, perseverance, standing for truth. All things the scripture says we actually can pursue without love. What's the fallout if we function like this? What's the casualty? What's at stake? It says at the end of verse 5, see it again? If you don't turn away from this, if you don't turn back to what you did at the first, then I'm going to come and I'm going to remove your lampstand. It's this image of your witness, of your light. We're a city set on a hill. You're the light of the world. If you put a bushel basket over, Jesus says no one's going to see it. And if we don't love, they're not going to see it. This, this deep love for each other is the wattage It helps people see the greatness of our God, not the greatness of a church. So Jesus, remember what he says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, John 13, 35, if you love one another. And for a while I thought, oh, as we were going through the hard things, I'd say to leadership, you know, we forgot an initiative. God just wants us to get healthier as leaders. And I realized, well, actually, another way to look at it is God just wants us to live out his simple command in 1 Peter 4.8. Simple to understand, incredibly difficult to live. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So whenever you feel God nudging you and you don't know, it's just in... in in your heart of hearts. The Bible does say, test the spirit to see if it's from God. And one of the ways we know if it's from God is, does it align with God's word? And now you think about what I heard at the summit. Mark, I want you to commit to deepen, I want you to deepen your love and commitment to the people of Door Creek. And you go, well, that's like 1 Peter 4, 8 for Mark. And so let's just go through it because I don't think it's just for me. I think it's for us. 
I think it's the most profound thing that we can do and pursue as we ready the house for hundreds of people. If we think they're going to stay because we have an espresso machine and a really cool carpet and great spaces for kids, we're fooling ourselves. What's going to bring them back is if they meet the grace of Christ, the love of Christ in us in this place. So let's just go through this simple verse. Above all, he didn't say, oh, by the way, if you can get around to it, before you forget, you know, at the end of the day, could you just kind of don't forget to tie that bow? Above all, it's a priority from God for our good. We were built for this. Relationship, community. I know it's hard. That's how we were made, wired. Relationship with God, relationship with each other. He adopted us into a family. We're part of a body. It's not good for us to be alone. We bear his image of the triune God who exists in eternal relationship. Above all, love. This word love is rooted in the will. It is not about our emotions. It is not what we hear about every day and every place and every song and every episode and everything that we can read online just about. It's rooted in the will. It's a purposeful commitment that you and I would make to seek somebody else's good before my own, to seek their best interest before myself, to seek their betterment before my good. Love each other. I thought he would have said, above all, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love each other. How so deeply? Chapter 1, verse 22, he says, deeply from the heart. Carries the idea deeply, does it continuously. Keep at it eagerly, earnestly, with intensity a my life for yours kind of love. Now, one of the things that it requires is some humility. Four of the most humbling words to say and yet transforming words to use is this. Here are the words. I need your help. I'm struggling. I need your help. And here's what I know. If you've ever said that, the person you said it to was safe because... They've just been metering out unconditional love. They lead with grace. You knew you weren't going to be judged, criticized. You're going to be listened to, cared for. Love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. So that's an interesting phrase. How does love cover a multitude of sins? You know, we use the phrase love is blind to someone who's gone goo-goo Eyed over some gal or some gal over some guy, and they go, they're not seeing what we're seeing. Love is blind. Is that what it is? Now we have Christ's love, and we just don't see it anymore. No, that's not it. Is love covering, meaning we just do this, put it on the rug? No, it's not that. Is it getting to the issue of forgiveness? Probably much closer. Probably much closer. What I want us to think of when it says love covers a multitude of sins, that is, it extends beyond. 
It surpasses, it's greater than, it transcends the sin that we would face. So you think about God's love for us and sending Christ, Christ's death on the cross, an expression of his love covers all sin. There isn't anything that you've done, every, anything that I've done, where you go, oh, that's just the one. Did you know about the exception clause? That one he didn't die for. No, it covers it all. And Christ's love in us covers a multitude of sins. And it does so in different ways. Listen to the dimensions of love as Paul describes it. In fact, let's just read it together. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. You ready? Here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. From there, Peter just gives two easy applications of what that might look like. The first thing he talks about is spreading a table, hospitality. The second thing he says is spread your gifts around and serve each other using what God has given you, these grace deposits, to make a huge difference in someone else's life. So we read in verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. What's happened in our day with the table? When's the last time you as a family shared a meal? Who came up with the idea that this isn't important anymore? This is a huge loss in our day and in our church. So much of Jesus' life is doing ministry around the table, celebrating his good gifts, the people that he's placed in our life, extending hospitality. That word hospitality is the love of strangers. We've got to reclaim the table in our families and extend the invitation. It doesn't have to be a banquet. It could be soup. Having people into our apartments and homes is so life-giving. We need to recover this truth that if we know Christ, his spirit is in us, then he brought gifts for you and I to use that are unique. Some of them are speaking gifts. And he says, if you've got a speaking gift, what's a speaking gift? Well, there's a bunch of them. Encouragement's a speaking gift. Teaching, what I'm doing right now, that's a speaking gift. Knowledge, you're sharing it. That's a speaking gift. Wisdom, discernment, you're sharing it. Those are speaking gifts, a few of them. If you're speaking, he says, do so as if you're speaking the very words of God. You really want to love on someone using your gift? Then make sure your words are connected to God's word because those words give life. Those words give truth. Those words bring wisdom. Those words bring comfort. And by the way, if you've got a serving gift like helps or administration or leadership or all the other kind, mercy is a serving gift. You've got one of those uh, serving gifts. Don't do it in your own strength. You're going to run out. 
Do it in God's strength for his glory. So what's keeping us from it? I talked about past hurts. Where we hold people at distance. So you realize, you go, yeah, I've, I've been hurt at church. That was like three churches ago. But have you realized that you bring that in every place and you still have this going on since that time? One of the things that's keeping us from loving each other deeply is we actually haven't experienced God's deep forgiveness. So the idea of getting close to someone completely unnerves us because we don't know what it's like to have that removed and to be secure not in what we've done but what Christ has done. And there's a whole bunch of us that go, I believe that, but man, I still get tripped up by that. And it freaks me out for people to know what I'm struggling with because it seems like in the church we're supposed to all have it together. That's why I just couldn't wait to get to church and share my story with you. That was a joke. (laughs) That's hard. It's so hard. What are the obstacles? Uncertain future. Where is this whole thing going? Where am I going to be? And we just put it in neutral. And God says to each of us, that's right, you don't know what's around the bend. But here's what you do know. I've called you today to love. So get on with it. Don't let the uncertainties of tomorrow drive you away from what God's calling us to today. Fear. Fear of failing. Fear of succeeding. Oh my word, they're going to need two hours of my life every week now. Or they're going to want it. Or I think they're going to want it. Fear of what's this going to cost? So Butch is here. And uh, you sent me that link a couple days ago about the NPR radio piece on the, the guys in, in Liberia. So Butch and I went to Africa. So these things are really on our heart. I was listening to this unbelievable piece. You know, if you ever listen to NPR, you know, you're right there. And so they're interviewing the guys that are collecting the dead bodies. They've died from Ebola. And if you haven't followed it, that's when it's most contagious. The dead body has most of the disease in it. And, and these guys at the beginning of each day are holding hands and they're praying for God's protection. And then the woman asks them, why are you guys doing this? Why are you suiting up and moving towards this deadly disease at the risk of your own life? And they just said, because we love our country, we love our people. Huge. Working through fear. Selfishness. Pride, time. Just, I don't have time. I don't have room in my life. If we don't have room in our life to pursue deep community, then something's profoundly wrong about our life. So what's it going to take? I think commitment and a willingness to say, until Christ comes, it's always going to be Messy clear expectations, patience with each other, a spirit of serving, moving towards people with a willingness to be inconvenienced. Don't wait. Don't wait. Have you heard the old saying, I went to find a friend, I couldn't find one. I went to be a friend and I found a lot. Don't don't wait for deep community to somehow just kind of catch you up in its wake. 
pursue it. Be part of creating that with the people that God's placed in your life. And make sure as you come together, you focus on something that's bigger than your relationships, Christ's mission. It's going to require courageous humility to say, I'm really hurting. It's going to require prayer. And we've got to recover something that's been missing in our prayers. And that is, we say, I'll pray for you. And then we do, but we don't include this. And God, if there's any part that I have to play in the answer to that prayer, show me. I want to be part of the answer, not just the messenger that brings it before you. We're going to need to build margin in our life. And we're going to daily need to be filled with Christ's spirit. So it's early. But let me tell you what God's been doing in my life since that leadership summit a few weeks ago. It's really good. It's early. It's going to be tested. Someone's going to question me and say, but I thought you were committed to loving me deeply. I am. So it's early. And I'm going to mess up. But here's what's going on. There is this profound freedom that I have. I've called it a new set of leadership legs. Stability, strength, freedom, joy, and a much clearer pursuit as a leader. I've been working that lead thing hard. Working it hard. And I commit to keep doing that. But I'm having great joy and freedom in pursuing loving people deeply. And I long for that, for you. Maybe your application has everything to do with the person sitting next to you. It's so hard right now. You're so wanting to fix it or fix them. And I can just tell you, it is so freeing to let all that go and say, I'm going to move forward with love, with all that that means, not just warm fuzzies. So R.D. and I caught up this week and we were talking about this message, had a long conversation. So we did something we haven't done before. And he and I just sat down in the new cafe and talked about a lot of these different things. You can check out the conversation, join it on Facebook. If you're, uh, I, my kids have banned me from Facebook, I can't, so I can't watch it on Facebook, but <laughs> you can. Um, but here's a snippet as we got to the end and I said, why does it matter? Because at the end of the day, why is this important that we would love each other deeply from the heart? Listen in. Well, I'm just going back to this whole thing of Jesus saying, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. And I'm going, that's, that's an interesting thing that he starts there. This, it's, it just strikes me that he didn't, he didn't say by your miracles he didn't say by your knowledge he didn't say by yeah. your your yeah. evangelistic yeah. Just zeal. power yeah. and yep. zeal I, I think of that and I think about when Jesus prays that we would be united and I can't think of having a unity without love yeah. because unity is not about uniformity and so mm. love is going to cover the multitude of things that's that are good. still broken in my life that's and in good. yours And that's the great apologetic for people knowing that God sent his son into the world as a demonstration of his love. That's good. good. Let me, I'll add one thing. Just one thing is 
why is it important this community because i think it's the heart of god I mean, the, the the trinity is community it's unity in a community it's god the father god the son god the spirit and it's this deep loving community which is at the center of who god is that he creates man not because he needs adam or eve to feel happy he's already fully that but he creates adam and says it's not good for you to be alone it's not good for man to be alone. You want to be with people because this is who God is. And he creates nations and cities and the church, a people, right, of his own possession called out of darkness into marvelous light that they could do good works. And as imperfect as we are, as messed up as we are, as broken as we are, we're still the bride of Jesus. Right? And Jesus is calling us to go deeper in the present and further because that's who he is. And he's with us. And I believe that we have that heart. That's God's heart. And if that's the heart of God, then it should be the heart of the church. And we want to press into that, I think, even more in the season that God has before us. Yeah. So let's just kind of bring this back to uh, this coming week and what we can do with it. So let me give you some ideas. I, I'm still trying to figure, it, figure this out. So what does this actually mean? And I'd like you to just ask God, what does this mean for me, Lord? What does this mean for me to deepen my love and commitment for the people of Door Creek and the people in my family? What does it mean? Asking him to show you what the barriers are that you need to break through. Asking him who's supposed to be at the table that you're to set. And I I encourage you to pray. Pray for our church. One of the things that we're going to do this week, we're going to take seven days of prayer at seven in the morning, starting tomorrow morning. I'd love to meet with you. If you're available, we're going to walk through this building. Just pray for the people who will come in here, the people that serve here, just for God's spirit to do great things here. So join me. If you can't make the mornings, we're going to do it Monday through Friday at seven at night for 30 minutes. And if you can't physically get here, just pray. Pray about these things. Then I encourage you to um, just take out this card. So you've got one, so grab it. We've been talking about this card for the last few weeks here. But it's interesting that after he talked about loving each other deeply, right, one of the first things he says is use your gifts. That's one of the ways we love each other and help each other grow to be more like Christ. Be the beautiful bride that just makes a huge impact in the world. So look, there's all kinds of ways you can serve. And if you don't know where to serve, just put a big question mark on the top and we'll call you and figure out where you could serve. Maybe it's with kids. Maybe it's with connections. Helping John and the team, community development. Huge response last week, by the way. Way to go. Maybe it's getting in a life group, hosting. You know, you can use our apartment. You can use our home. Maybe it's being a facilitator, helping in the office, loving on students. We got hundreds of kids, half of them. They don't have parents that are pointing them to Jesus. So consider students, worship arts. And maybe you go physically right now, I can't do any of those things. Then just write in, I'm committing to pray. And put your name on it. You go, hey, I'm already in. I, they know I'm already registered. This is an opportunity for you to just before God and to each other as we fill them out during this song and then pass them back to the aisles and collect them and say, you know what, this is my part of wanting to love you guys deeply from my heart as together we seek to reach more people. So let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We bless you for loving us. The only reason we can love 
is because you've loved us. Grow that in us. Increase the wattage of our lives and of this place. And may what people find beautiful in this space be your people, not the decor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.